Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Margot Manley Lima, National President of SCT, and you're listening to Sigma Delta Talk. I'm excited to chat with a very special sister today, Beth Sessler. Beth is a past National President for the Sigma Delta Tau Society, serving from 1994 to 1998, and she's currently serving as the Sigma Delta Tau Foundation President. Please help me in welcoming Beth. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I'm happy to be here. You know, um, I, I love that you always say yes to my crazy antics. Um, so welcome to your fir- first podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Beth, I'm hoping you could start off by telling us how you began your journey in SDT. Well, if I can remember back that far, um, <laughs> it happened a long time ago, uh, freshman year at the University of Cincinnati. I went through fall rush, as it was called back then, recruitment, and I pledged Sigma Delta Tau, and that was 1972. So I've been a member for almost 50 years, I think. Is that, is that right? I think that's right. Um, and... Uh, I was a member during all four years in college, and um, I was president my junior and senior year. And uh, oh, so you had president in you from the get-go. I, I did, I did. Um, then I uh, was the local chapter advisor for probably about five or six years, and the national convention was in Cincinnati, and I was asked by the National Convention Chairman, Karen Braverman, to um, help out with local logistics, and at that point was asked to come on to the National Council, 1981. Terrific, so you know, you are among the few volunteers that we have that have served both as a society president and also as a foundation president. So I'm curious, you know, what your motivation was after, you know, you did your big service to the sorority as national president um, and how you transitioned to the foundation and why you thought that was important to continue to serve in that capacity. Right. So obviously I love SDT because I've been so involved for so many years. And uh, while I was on the executive board of the uh, sorority, um, we served also on the foundation board at that time. Um, During my tenure on the board, uh, on the sorority side, it was decided that we needed to split it off and have a whole separate organization for the foundation and then the sorority. And we felt that it could work better. And we were finding that as we were adding so many chapters during the 80s um, and early 90s that the responsibility on the sorority side was too much and we couldn't give enough uh, attention to the foundation. So once the foundation split off um, and uh, they started getting their act together, I worked with the foundation president when I was national president. And um, I just felt as if, the foundation could use a little, could use some more help. Um, Sari Factor, who's also past national president of the sorority, was serving on the foundation board. And uh, one of uh, my sorority sisters from Cincinnati, Epsilon Chapter, uh, was also on the board. So I kind of got my arm behind my back. To the foundation and actually I was only, I was asked to be on the board to serve as a liaison during the centennial year between the sorority and the foundation and um, 
as I got more involved with what the foundation was doing and understood what they wanted to do, I really felt like I could help and I wanted to, you know, have things go smoothly and, you know, make the foundation more important to the sorority. Terrific. When you were talking about your hand behind your back, um, I, I like to say that you were voluntold that you had to do it. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> think, think about how many times you, you have been voluntold to do something. If we had a dollar, a, a foundation oh. dollar raise for any time. <laughs> I, I know I wouldn't have to ask our, I wouldn't have to ask our donors for any money. We'd have enough. So. <laughs> Um, so tell our listeners about the impact that the foundation is making to support our collegiate women. Well, you know, it's changing. Um, at the beginning, the main focus was for scholarships to help uh, the women of uh, the sorority to, you know, achieve their dream of a college education. And um, while that is still, you know, one of our main and, you know, probably our largest focus, um, we have branched out, so to speak, and we are now, you know, asking the sorority what they need help with. And um, the programming that we are helping with, we, we always used to help with uh, speakers for a uh, uh, convention, but we are now helping in other ways. We are, we are whenever uh, the sorority asks for money, we, we try to accommodate. Um, we have underwritten um, Elevate, which is the premier a leadership training for the sorority. Um, that's been pretty exciting. Um, this past summer when convention was canceled, uh, we had to hurry and figure out what we were going to do. And the sorority, uh, we had already allocated money for speakers, so we just changed it and helped underwrite the diversity, equity, and inclusion week that uh, the sorority sponsored. Um, we've, all, we've also helped with the piloting of the programming that JWI has provided for the um, invest in yourself or the financial, how to, how to handle finances once you graduate. And I think this fall, probably in a couple of weeks, we're, we're also helping with the Anti-Defamation anti League program, Fighting Hate for Good. So those are some of the ways. Um, one of the major and new initiatives that we are working on now and, and working to fund is one, the One Hope Fund, which is going to be a uh, fund set up for emergency assistance for all sisters, undergraduate and alumni. So, Yeah, I think the foundation is doing um, great work. You know, you mentioned DEI Week and how the mm -hmm. foundation sponsored that week. And one of the things that I was really struck by was that that week was for all of our members. You know, we certainly had uh, a great presence from our undergraduates, but half of the participants, and, and we engaged over a thousand people either live or via the recording uh, presentations, um, over a thousand people, half of them were undergraduates, but the other half were alumni. And so I think that was such a testament to the impact that the foundation has and their commitment to education and recognizing that it's not just formally through scholarships at graduate or undergraduate institutions, but that education and supporting our academic pursuits for, you know, our members that that can spend a lifetime. And so I was really um, struck by what an impact the foundation had this summer in supporting our DEI efforts. 
Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that, you know, we made you happy. That's <laughs> well, I love when you make me happy. <laughs> Beth, I'm curious, did you ever receive a, a scholarship in an in undergrad? No, I didn't. And I have to say, when I was an undergrad, I didn't even know what the foundation was. I mean, it wasn't really all that, I don't want to say, it wasn't in the forefront, so to speak. Um, like I said, it was, I think the foundation was founded in 61 and I don't remember when the first scholarships were given out. I should know that. I don't know that uh, offhand, but um, it was not, I didn't even think to ask for it. So, and I was lucky enough that, you know, my parents helped with school. So I really didn't need to ask for the, the money. So. Well, I ask you this because I don't know if you remember, but when I was an undergraduate, I won a scholarship mm -hmm. and I remember, and it, it still has left an impression on me, but I remember being so thankful for that opportunity and the fact that my sisters um, from the chapter level, but also women I had never met, had invested in my academic pursuit and were support directly supporting me. I mean, that was a very powerful experience and something that has certainly prompted me to continue to give to the foundation because I know the impact that it could have on our members and I just think it's so wonderful. So, you know, that's why I asked you, I, I didn't know if your, um, your tenure in the foundation was perhaps inspired by your own personal experience or you just, you know, believe in the mission of the foundation. Well, I mean, I think this leads in really nicely to why the foundation is a philanthropic partner of the sorority or what makes us a unique partner because you also are partnering for the undergraduates, you're partnering with uh, Jewish Women International and Prevent Child Abuse America. But for the foundation to be now a philanthropic partner is really, really important. And if you think about it, I, it's, fa it's family. I mean, it's, it's, it's sisters taking care of other sisters, every sister every day. It's um, the fact that I'm, I'm helping by my donation, if you earmark it or not, my donation is helping. It might be helping an undergraduate, you know, with a scholarship. It might be helping a, a new, a new uh, chapter president with training. It might be helping a, a graduate student, you know, with her medical school career or law school or whatever. Um, and for alumni, you know, at this point, this One Hope Fund, it's going to help with that as well. So as my father-in-law taught me, it's keeping the money within the family and circulating it around to help one another. So in a way, we're perpetuating that legacy that the founders uh, gave us so many years ago. And you're mentoring young women, you're helping leadership with leadership, you're helping with you know, life skills and academics as well. So to me, we are the best philanthropic partner for the sorority because we are tapping our own members to help one another and keeping it in the family. Totally. And, and the other thing that I really like is that we're extending our notion of who benefits from the foundation support, right? It's not just undergraduate or graduate students. This One Hope acknowledges that, you know, there may, may be different points in, in your life where you need the assistance of your sisters. And, and membership in SDT is not limited to four years of undergrad, right? It, it is a lifetime membership. And the foundation is here to support you in that lifetime membership. And so, it, it's been really great to see the foundation broaden um, the reach and the scope and, and the way that they support our sisters. Yeah, we, we felt like a couple of years ago, we just felt that there were 
other things that women of today wanted to help other women with. And while scholarships are so very important, we felt like there were other ways that people wanted to help. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, the, the executive director of the foundation and I made a trip to California and we met with some of our alums out there um, and we purposely set up meetings with women who had donated to the foundation in the past and women who were just alums who had never donated. And we tried to figure out, we asked them what they wanted or what would make them want to give back to the sorority. And more times out in, uh, than I was, I, I was shocked actually, they wanted leadership was the number one thing. It wasn't the academics and um, I was sort of surprised, but the women of today, and I'm talking probably the 50 to 80 year, 80 year old group, they're really focused on, I mean, if you think about it, they're the women's rights movement women and they're focused on, you know, training women to be, you know, uh, important and, and helpful in society and to make a difference. So they're looking for leadership skills. So. We, we decided we needed to create some new initiatives and um, the One Hope Fund for immediate emergency assistance, you know, we decided that and with this past year, what the heck, you know, it's not a bad idea, so. Yeah, so let's talk about this year. In what which has the, <laughs> if we have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, in what ways has the foundation pivoted from, you know, years past in terms of perhaps fundraising or um, allocations of funds? What, what changes have we seen as a result of the pandemic? Oh, um, everything, honestly. Um, you know, normally we, we allocate funds to the sorority at our annual meeting, which takes place in uh, November, which that is going to be changing. But so last November, Margot was nice. You sent us what you wanted funding for, and we, you know, allocated what we could and what we wanted to do. Um, and then that was in November. Well, and we were planning our Founders Day of Giving on, you know, March 25th, obviously. And uh, all of a sudden then we had that pretty well all set. We knew what we were gonna do with the email blasts. We knew what we were gonna say. And then COVID hit and we had to change everything. We were talking about whether or not we should even ask for donations. We, we uh, you know, we're trying to rethink where we were gonna do. Um, we were waiting for the sorority to, to let us know what was gonna happen with convention. We were, you know, so as soon as, as, soon as we decided, we, we made the decision to go ahead with the Founders Day, our best Founders Day ever. So thank you to all of you out there who gave. Um, and it, it gave us a little bit more money in order to make um, the wishes of the sorority, which was in a fix, trying to figure out the programming, like we canceled conventions. So all of a sudden the money that we had allocated for convention, we had to redirect and, and work for the diversity week. Um, you know, we, we helped with the leadership, edu leadership consultant, educa uh, the ed education programming that they're gonna use um, this next year, which was not on the agenda. Um, uh, you know, we're still trying to figure out how Elevate is going to look this year. So I'm assuming, you know, that's going to be a different. So we asked for, we did our, we did our push for donations for Founders Day. And then we kind of stepped back and we took the monies that we had and we reallocated that. And honestly, we normally would continue to ask through the summer. And we kind of, we kind of said, no, uh, let's give everybody a little bit of a break. 
and we put together our fall newsletter that we send out. Um, and in there, we finally did ask uh, for people to give again. And we are now continuing as if, you know, we're not back to normal, obviously, but, and every, every not-for-profit is struggling right now. So we are no different. Um, and we are trying to, you know, put it, put it in place. And, uh, but I think it's made us more flexible it's made us understand that there is so much more that we really need to be doing, but, you know, hands tied a little bit. And, um, you know, it, it's been kind of an interesting challenge. Yes, um, I agree. There's a lot of silver lining, you know, that has mm -hmm. come from this COVID experience. And you kind of reference it, that it, it has made us more aware of what is going on and, and where our members are, you know, from our chapters, our chapters are a great source of fundraising for our philanthropies, but we have, you know, set no expectations for them in terms of fundraising because as a chapter and individually, they're all struggling with, you know, implications from COVID, whether that's financial or well-being and things of that nature. And we've had to take a break and a breath and see like, you know, how are our members doing and how can we support them? And that might be taking a time out from, you know, the constant ask for right. donations. Um, not to say that we don't welcome <laughs> welcome donations because absolutely we do. And it is, you know, a direct investment in our sisters, but we also want to, we don't want to be tone deaf to what, what is going on in our country, in our community, in the world really. And, and, you know, we, we know that there are greater things at play. That's true. But the other, the, on the, on the other hand, I mean, while being sensitive to, you know, the economics of what's going on with everything, Businesses as usual in many cases, and our our women still need uh, money for scholarships. Um, you know, the training is still going to happen, and you know, different things need to be purchased, and you know, I mean, for business purposes and whatever. So, I, I mean, uh, as as sympathetic as I am, and, I, and believe me, I really am. I mean, you know, there's, I mean, I have several friends who have lost jobs. So, you know anything five bucks you know anything is is helpful so um yeah we have learned an awful lot this year it's it's been interesting but you mentioned founders day and i want to go back to that because i think what you guys produce in lieu of like a huge fundraising drive was so cool and something we had never done before so can you talk to us a little bit about some of um the live events that you hosted for founders day uh well, we had, um, we, we contacted some alums ahead of time and asked them if they would obviously uh, send out uh, Facebook blasts, email blasts, and talk to them, their friends. We, we tried to do a challenge of chapters where um, different alums from each chapter, you know, we tried to do like a the, the thermometer thing as to who did the best. <laughs> um, you know, people to um, meet up with their friends, uh, do happy hours or whatever via Zoom, as which we all do now. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it obviously it worked because it was very, very successful. And I think in this time, you know, I'm not a person, I'm not like a recruitment person who just thrives on meeting new people and, um, you know, chatting. Uh, so I'm happy to be by myself a lot, but I'm, but even me at this point, I'm dying to, you know, right. meet new people and to get together. So I think 
that any any anything that you can do in order to stay in touch is probably something that we all are striving for. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the society has been really creative in the way that we have engaged alumni. Um, you know, for example, this podcast, you, you know, because you and I have done one before, um, we recorded an episode before the pandemic. And then, you know, when the February, pandemic, I think, right? yeah. it, it seemed a little tone deaf <laughs> to release yeah. that one. So I'm glad that we're doing it now because so much has changed in terms of our priorities and, and what we strive to do. Uh, so the society has, you know, we started a podcast, we started a book club, which we've been um, highlighting some SDT authors, which has been so fun and so exciting. Um, we are partnering with Chabad at the end of November to do a discussion about a mini series Orthodox. So we're trying to think creatively about how we engage with our members, um, right. which again, it goes back to the silver lining of COVID of like, even when things return to normal, whatever normal looks like, um, there are still things that we will take with us as uh, effective and meaningful that we hadn't thought about before. And so I, I'm kind of glad that we've been forced to think out of the box because that has been helpful in some ways. Of course, it's challenged us in other ways, but um, I am thankful for all the wonderful things that have emerged from this experience. I agree. I agree. All right. So I am interested in learning a little bit more about uh, you talked about your membership, 50, nearly 50 year membership in SDT. I'm curious <laughs> to hear about what have been some of the highlights of your SDT membership, some of your favorite memories. Well, it's interesting when I, when I think about college years, um, I lived in the sorority house for three years and I had the same roommate all three years. And, uh, you know, she's been one of my best friends probably you know, forever, obviously. And I think that the friendships you make in college are, are really different than the friendships you make outside of college. However, I will say that, you know, as when I served as the local chapter advisor at Cincinnati, I became really, really close friends with um, some, of, some of the officers, obviously, and two of the officers and their husbands and myself and my husband still get together every new year. So for the past long time every new year we're always together so those friendships have been very meaningful to me and and I feel as if being on the National Volunteer Council and also on the foundation the friendships that I've made with all of those women it's just it's just so nice and so different um, and I, I cherish all of those as well um, but there are two highlights that are really really important to me um, I alluded to the fact that I was asked onto the National Council in 1981, and when I came to the board or to the meeting in June, um, you know, I was kind of like really anxious, and I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea what it was going to be about, and I came into the room, and we were late. There were three of us that were on the same plane, and we were late coming to the meeting. Great, you know, first meeting, you come late, whatever. There's one seat left at the table. And I went and I sat down and there was a younger woman on my right and there was an older woman on my left. Probably like, you know, I was probably, I was in my late 20s, early 30s at this point and this woman, she could have been my grandmother. So we wait, you know, I'm in, it's in the middle of the business meeting. So we're sitting there and everything. And then when we took a break, she introduced herself to me 
and I thought I was going to have a heart attack because... Why? Who was it? It was Regine Freund Cohen. Oh, my gosh. As you all know, <laughs> is one of the founders of the sorority. And she couldn't have been nicer. She was so lovely. And, you know, I met, I met her several more times at different meetings. She always came to the meetings. And uh, it was, it was kind of crazy. So that was fun. Um, and then the other, the other one, I have three daughters of my own. None of them are Greek. Um, only one went to a school where they even had sororities. So, but she decided not to join. And um, so at our centennial, we were offering uh, alumni initiations. And um, my one daughter was, is, a is a veterinarian and she was on call and couldn't switch. So she was unable to attend. But two of my daughters came and were initiated into the sorority. And to me, that was so cool to be a part of that. So those are my two highlights. That's not awesome. being national president, not being <laughs> foundation president. <laughs> Bye. That's awesome. I, I also have two... I have two daughters, so I, I welcome the days where I can initiate them and I can only imagine how special that it was. But at that same, well, not at that same moment, but I initiated my mother as an honorary initiate. Yeah, and that's right. and that, that was, you know, uh, equally as um, moving thing because, you know, the sorority experience has meant so much to us to be able to share it with our family members who perhaps didn't have that opportunity or never took advantage of it. I think it, it makes it extra special. And as you said in the beginning, like keeping it within the family. Well, not only that, but if you think about it, so when I was national president, my, my children were very young. And my three girls, whenever I had a phone call, which was frequently, as you know, um, uh, they all had their little notebooks and they all would sit at the table. And while I was on my call taking notes, they were at the table taking notes, you know, so they actually grew up within the sorority structure and they knew, you know, they knew all the good and the bad. So, um, <laughs> you know, the fact that they were willing to go forward and be initiated was kind of fun. So. That is awesome. So Beth, before I leave you, I'm curious if you have any parting words for our listeners um, who are tuning in about the foundation and maybe ways they can support or get involved. Well, you know, all I can say is, um, you know, the foundation is here as the not-for-profit for Sigma Delta Tau sorority. We would love to be able to allocate every dollar that Margo and the executive board of the sorority asks for. Um, and as long as it's within the guidelines of our mission and uh, vision statements, you know, we're more than happy to accommodate. However, we don't have all the money that they need. So my, my question is why aren't more Sigma Delta Tall alums giving? And um, I don't, I don't, if you want to just give $5, if you want to give a dollar, I would just like to see a percentage of our alums give and make it higher than it is today. Um, if, if, if they would, um, please join us. And, you know, on your initiation, you automatically became a member of Sigma Delta Tau. And, I mean, the uh, foundation, the Sigma Delta Tau Foundation. And whether you knew it or not, you are a member. And um, we are supported, you know, partially from under our undergraduates and their dues. Um, but we are asking all alums to please um, step up and, you know, help us, help us with our mission, 
which is to perpetuate the legacy of our founders. Absolutely. And I think what you said about um, like no donation is, is too small. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately we want to cultivate a spirit of giving um, and that, that can look like a variety of ways. You know, some of our sisters donate their time, their talent, some donate their treasure. So, you know, please don't think that it has to be like an enormous amount of money. Every single dollar helps our sisters. That's right. And, and I, I remembered. Um, so all you have, if you go on Amazon Smile, and if you did all of your ordering on Amazon Smile, and you listed the Sigma Delta Tau Foundation as who you would like the uh, donation to go to, you know, that would be awesome. The only issue that we have as a foundation is that we get a check, but we don't get a listing of who the donations are coming from. So if you're financially unable to give, but you want us to know that you have named us as your person, as your group, please, you know, just text or, you know, send an email to the SCT foundation and we will make sure that you are listed. Um, and there are other ways that you can help as well. You know, every year we, we do a year, uh, we do a week of thank you calls, uh, thanks for giving right before Thanksgiving. And all we do is call our donors and say, thank you. We're not asking for money, but we need people to help us. You know, there's a lot of phone calls to make. So, you know, you can donate your time that way too. And that would be great. So. I'm so glad you brought up the Amazon thing because now I'm thinking about how I've been supporting the foundation. <laughs> this <laughs> pandemic, everything has been delivered via Amazon. So oh, I, I hadn't even thought about those contributions that I've right. been making. <laughs> it's not very much, but you know what? Every little bit helps. Absolutely. And you know what? It is, it's not something that we feel, right? So it, yeah. it's an automatic, yeah, it's right. something um you know a way to support without really having to do anything above and beyond so why not yeah that's right beth it's been so fun chatting with you i i I greatly appreciate all our time together that we spend um i just think the foundation is doing incredible things especially given the context that we are and i'm so thankful for your leadership in this role thank you margo if you would like to learn more about the sigma delta tau foundation please visit our website at sigmadeltata.org. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I'm Margot Manley-Lima, and you've been listening to Sigma Delta Talk.